Amigos, aficionados, sean ustedes bienvenidos a la cantina de MX. Coming to you live from uh, Loop 410 in beautiful San Antonio, Texas. My name is John Jagu. Glad to have you with us this evening. Uh, lots to get to tonight, as, as you all know, that are tuning in to the Cantina Mechis podcast live on our YouTube channel, broadcasted every Thursday night as we do. Or if you are listening to this because you have subscribed to the Cantina Mechis podcast on iTunes or on Google Play, most of you will know that we had a couple of Fecha uh, FIFA uh, friendly Mexico between uh, Mexico playing Uruguay and Mexico playing the United States. So uh, you would think that after they've done the U's, they would go to the B's for the next one, but no, they're going to play Chile and Costa Rica, so they're jumping right back up to the C's. But anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, go ahead and introduce our panel again. My name is John Chagu. Very happy this evening. Uh, coming to you from beautiful Southern California, where, according to the song, it never rains in Southern California. Joel Aceves joins us. Joel, how are you doing this evening, sir? Julie, John. It's, uh, you know, enjoying my evening right here, drinking a cold one. Yeah. Are you having a chamay, Joel? Do you, uh, do you, are you enjoying your chamay? Oh, yeah. Ya, ya se me terminaron. I'm down to the, to the, um, Miller Lights. Miller Light. Well, better, well. Better Miller Lite than Natural Lite, I guess. It's, it's a bargain buy. 30 pack for, I forgot I, how I, much, I, like 20 bucks. <laughs> $20 for like 80 beers. Yeah. <laughs> well, glad to have you with us, Joel, uh, here on the Cantina Mix podcast. We'll uh, jump into our topics here momentarily, but we have to introduce the other members of our panel right now joining us from, from Kyle, Texas, southeast of the greater... Austin metropolitan area is uh, Beto El Chiquis Campa, Beto. Once, once, once again, I, I feel like I'm speaking to two prescient and omniscient beings because you correctly and coldly called how these two friendlies, at least on the scoreboard, were going to play out, and, and you were absolutely right. Good to have you with us, Beto. Oh, yeah. The, uh, I guess a lot of people didn't want to admit the, it was a lot of hope for the youth of these uh, of the national team for Mexico, but uh, realistically, looking looking back at it, it's not really a surprise of, of how things went. A little bit on the United States side, but uh, but yeah, expected against Uruguay to struggle. Well, sure. I mean, Uruguay was fielding a, a very strong team. The majority of the team that played in the World Cup where they were quarterfinalists uh, losing out to the eventual world champ 2-0. Uh, Mexico had their chances in that game. I mean, it's not as if they were completely overrun, but I, but I think that we see the, you know, the, 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 the difference in quality in, in, at a few key spots between quality, but also experience the, the thing that really jumped out to me at least. And watching that game. That's not to say that, that these youngsters in Mexico, you know, won't be able to reach that. But I do think it was, uh, it, they certainly got a, a very good look at, at how professional players com- 
comport themselves in, in a situation like that with, with, with the way that Uruguay played. And uh, they, uh, they, they, they served Mexico a, a lesson in how to, uh, in, in, in how to do that. Now, there were some uh, youngsters that played in the Uruguay game that I thought uh, did, did very well. Now, they didn't get the goal. Uh, but, but they certainly uh, were able to hang with uh, with, with Uruguay, you know, with with Gaines and Alvarado. Uh, I, the one kid on Gulo kind of got, got got a raw deal, uh, just in the sense that you know he got called for a penalty, which you know, one wasn't a penalty, and two was a little outside the box. But again, you know, if you know you're going up against a guy who is a a cold professional who is going to take every advantage of a situation. And if Luis Suarez goes down like that, you know, you know, chances are the referee is going to call that a penalty, and that's exactly what happened. In that. So um, Mexico goes down 4-1 in that game. It was 1-0 to the U.S. Uh, a few days later in Nashville, um, a game where, that, that we have seen played out uh, the same way for about the past 20 years, where Mexico dominates possession, uh, creates some chances, but not really clear chances. The U.S. gets one chance, and it's all over, and that's exactly what happened again on Tuesday. Mexico hasn't beaten the U.S. in friendlies uh, this century. Uh, the last two that they've won were in 1984 and 1999. So it's not as if Mexico are U.S. beaters when it comes to friendlies. Now, in official matches, that's uh, that too, especially over the last 10 years. Over the last 10 years, Mexico uh, is five wins, two losses, and two draws. Uh, in their friendly, the four of those wins, of course, are in the United States. So, what do we take from these friendlies, Joel? You said that you were pleased with how the youngsters played, at least in the Uruguay game. Do you feel the same way about their performance against the U.S.? Yeah, I think I think these guys did did pretty good. I've I've been surprised that normally after two defeats, you would see a lot of the fans. A lot of the media bring out the pitchforks and the tiki torchlights, um, but that hasn't been the case uh, for the most part. Um, most people have been understanding of of what this team is. You know, it's 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 nowhere near what would be fielded if it was like an important qualifier. You know, we would only be looking at about maybe five players lining up. So it's it's good to see some of these guys uh, get a chance, and some of them are going to be fighting for a spot in the team. So it was it was you know uh, yes. Now you know one thing that that that, that folks should uh, understand about about the. The players Mexico has, I mean, you know, especially for the young youngsters, you know, very few of them have consolidated themselves as as full time starters in their club teams. And they're still situational players. They're they're not uh, players that have that have fully breached the starting lineup as of yet. I mean, I know that people are are fawning over uh, Diego Lainez, who, as, as you know, I don't have to tell you guys or tell our listeners. I mean, this kid has an immense talent. There's no question about it, but he again, you know, he just barely turned 18 years old. I mean, he was born in 2000, so I mean, this is a kid who, you know, obviously has a, a, a very bright future ahead of him. 
Yeah. And, uh, but but again, I mean, he's you know he's played you know just a handful of professional matches, and uh, you know obviously these things were his first couple of uh, at least senior side uh, senior side caps, and, and, and that goes with the majority of the team. And I think that that's what folks are going to have to understand yeah. about what what, what Mexico is going to go through over these next two or three well, years. But yeah, and you know what, John, you could see this as in a way, preparation for the under-23. More so than for the senior national team. Sure. I mean, you know, you know that's the hope is that, uh, at least that's the hope for us, is, is that the, 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 the Olympic team in 2020, you know, if they qualify, we would expect that they would qualify. Yeah. If they do qualify for that... Yeah, I, I do think that's, that's World Cup in twenty twenty two. Yeah, that to me I think that's that's one of the main focus, especially having someone like the close working with, with with the selection. So I feel that that's that's sort of the fogel because if this was like let's say a World Cup qualifying, we will not see Linus starting. You know, as good as he is. They would just not throw him out oh, there. Oh yeah, there's no, there's no question. But right. but with with the under twenty, yeah, but with the under twenty three, all of these guys like like Nes, Andrade, and uh, Gonzalez, they're all gonna be starters, and uh, we could be looking at like Ochoa as the keeper. You know, like World Cup, you get to take you get to take the three over age players. I could see Ochoa right. making that trip. You know, Ochoa, and then maybe they bring out Aljo and. Have someone like Vela. Exactly. Exactly. What's that? And, uh, oh, that was me. <laughs> Road drinking. <laughs> All right, uh, I might as well, yeah. Try not to, try not to cough there. No, you're absolutely right. It was, uh, you know, if they do, I mean, I fully expect them to have like you said, you know, Ochoa is a refuerzo, then then a forward, and then uh, and then a solid defender. Uh, whether it would be, uh, you know, Nestor or Salcedo, yeah. or 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 even, uh, although I think that's not about it. I think it's going to be of age, just to be on the on the twenty three team anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure that he will. Uh, he, he will make the team. But Araujo has been so, showing good in Spain, so I guess if he maintains. I no doubt he would be the one called up if he if he's you know stays on track. Yeah. So so what's that Mexico? They have they have a couple of friendlies coming up in Mexico. Yes. Where they're they're playing in Querétaro, uh, and then also in Monterrey. Now they're playing Costa Rica and I forget which one is which. Uh, Costa Rica is in Monterrey. Costa Rica's Monterrey and then Chile's in Canada. Yeah. Oh, and the just... expectation I would assume is that Tuca will be the coach for, for these upcoming games in October as well. Well and and then there's talk that the close is trying to get two more friendly games for November. Which will be in against Europe. That is correct, sir, in Europe. And it will be against the Czech Republic. And against France, which those would be some France. really good games. Yeah. Did you say Did you say France? 
Francia. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I Les said. Bleus. <laughs> Against the reigning World Cup champions, I think those two games would be. I, you know, all of the friendlies would be really good. Have been good games if Cisadan, you know, all of those matches are gonna be good. Sure. And so we have. Go ahead, I was gonna say, didn't didn't Czech Republic just get spanked by Spain recently too? No, that was Croatia. Oh, Croatia. Okay, my bad. See, come on. Here. Same confusing. same colors though. Same same colors. Okay. Continue. <laughs> just Croatia is just the the tecos. They got the tecos jersey with the. Oh like yeah, the Purina dog chow with the. Yeah, te- tecos would never be soup campeones. Yeah, so. <laughs> They've been soup campeones in Liga MX. They be. <laughs> tecos have been Liga MX champions. So you can be. They won Liga. Yeah, but their last their last was. They did. The Donizetti, but but their last their last final was subcampeon, right? They lost to America. They had Ludueña. They did, and they uh, also and Reese. Yeah, and they also lost, uh, They also lost to uh, Santos. Uh, back in, oh man, yeah. Uh, it was in '94, and that was when 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 Chicharro Padre, I think, was on was on uh, on Teco. Okay, the, the the real Chicharro. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, so there are a couple of things, uh, as, as Joel has uh, has pointed out on the show before. Just you know, the, just the, the little itty bitty signs, the tea leaves, uh, the, the the indicators uh, as to as to the moves that that that, that Federación is making. To see as to whether or not they'll be able to uh, to uh, land Tuca. So the one being that they brought over the uh, communications director from Tigres to be the the Mexico communications director. The second indicator I thought was seeing Tuca not in his track jacket, but in a in a sports coat against the U.S. Not a tie, but a sports coat. So you know that was the <laughs> that was the, the the second step, and the third one, and I think one that is so they're going to play for a friendly Monterrey. They have that beautiful yeah. new World Cup stadium, and I even thought about it. So, how, how, why on earth would you play a friendly in Monterrey when you have this gorgeous new stadium? It, it, it is going to be your your one of your World Cup venues. Instead, you're going to go play in the tired old. But I think Tom had a point on that, though. The bank sponsorships are. Uh... It, it, it's electric. But I'm thinking. Well. That is a great way to, to share the gate with somebody is to, is to, is to give them yeah. the game. <laughs> it's true. To Tigres. So my, my thinking is is that, the, you know, MXFoods is making a, you know, I know that officially they're saying, well, they have a bit of, they have an approach, yada, yada, yada. But I, I think behind the scenes, I, I think the, it, it, it is pretty clear to me that the, the, the MXFoods is, is, is gone. They've gone the full tuca. And uh, you know they're, they're hoping to see if they can convince them to uh, to take the reins. But you but you brush off the uh, you brush off that they haven't reached out to Tigres a little bit there a little bit quickly. I think even the Tigres president said that uh, they didn't even call to say thanks for letting for letting them use Tuca. He he you know I'm gonna go with Rafa Ramos from uh, from Raza and he was saying that they were sending that message to Yonde Luisa. And I think uh, 
I think they want him to contact with. I'm pretty sure he will. You know. So it's not really a. So they had to fish for some uh, some love from. from you know, John. I'm sorry, but if, but if but if you really think that you, that that somehow is you're being disrespectful because they didn't thank you for. I mean, yeah. I mean that is that 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 is kind of the petty BS that, in my opinion, just is is just permeates. And it's one of the reasons why I hate the, the Pacto de Caballeros. Because a lot of times the Pacto de Caballeros are just this bullshit, petty little, you know, disagreements with players or whatever it is. And, uh, I mean, I'm hoping that that's not the case. But, I mean, that's just, come on. You know, let's, let, 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 let's be adults here. You know, and you know what I was telling, though, uh, when Teclosa said, they asked him about Peckerman, and he said that he's not even being considered. Uh, which I think that message is the job is took us for the taking, you know. Right. I thought they had. I thought in recent. I thought today I saw that they are uh, looking. They are looking at Peckerman. They've reached out or something. Yeah, but uh, that's well news as report as, as coming straight from from someone within the federation. This is Dennis to close. He's he's going to be one of the guys in charge of. When did he say that? New. Though he said it. It was like a day or two days ago. Yeah. It's on record, man. He's, he's, you know, I'll take that source first. And, you know, the other rumor, like the rumor mill that right. people just promote. It's like it, that there's, that there are negotiations, there are negotiations ongoing between Suka and the Federation. Yeah, because they have to clear the money. So it will be like, they have to pay off the rest of his contract. Which is what, like a year or two years left? Two years, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, it's like who's going to pay that money, and then some some other clause. So it's it's like a like the release clause, and then paying off Duca what what is owed to him. So, and I think that having that game at the, at the stadium is is to help with that, you know. Give him a, you know, an incentive. So I think Selección could easily cover that. But I think uh, they were saying that they might just add it to his wages if he did take the job. Like, they wouldn't just give him the one lump sum. They would they would put it in payments. Right. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of... Uh... A lot of contracts that are up for Femex Moose. I mean, it's not just that they have to negotiate a cup contract. They have to negotiate a new clothing contract. Uh, you know, Adidas, uh, like I mentioned last week, not happy with, uh, with, with uh, the Femex Moose, Juan Carlos Osorio particularly, because he's wearing his little, you know, the shirts with his little messages on them, and the messages were great, and everybody loved them, except for the, the one company that, 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 that paid for the Mexican coach to be wearing their brand. So, I mean, that, but, you know, but they could have just, just, just as easily had those shirts made and still have it say Adidas. You, you know, but, but you know what, John, the Mexico, the Mexico uh, merchandise is one of the best selling. So, I mean, I think you could overlook that. I, I think there should be good enough competition from like Pumas and Nike, you know, some of these companies to get 
to get uh, the Mexican team because I think that's that's just one of the teams you want to have. That just just how much merchandise gets pushed, and then not just in Mexico but in the U.S. They basically have a team that sells really well in two countries. Well, I mean, sure, but. You know, I mean, all I'm saying is, is that the number that Adidas is going to push across the table is not going to be what they're looking for. So, yeah, they're going to have to look for other suitors. And, again, if I was one of these uh, one of these Mexican companies like Charlie and, and uh, Fidema, is that the name of it? Did I get it right, Fidema? I'm, I'm going to go on record, John, and say that this is going to be the – whatever contract they get is going to get be the biggest they've had. Okay, if it's the biggest they've had, is it going to be with Adidas or not? I don't know with who, but it's going to be the biggest, you know. Like, like if if Adidas doesn't do it because of the of Osorio or whatever, that's their loss, you know. But sure. you've you've had strong push from Nike in the past years, which they did get Mexico for a while. Uh, so I I do think some of these other companies are going to push strong. To try to get Mexico just because, especially leading into a, for the next eight years, you know, and them hosting the World Cup. I think that's even a more attractive attraction, you know. And, and you're talking about a team that pretty much always qualifies to the World Cup. So, I mean, you, you get to, you, you know, I think that's the ultimate showcase for these companies. And it's like, how many teams that you dress are at the World Cup, you know? And and I think just with Mexico, that's like a good guarantee that for the next two World Cups, you, your company's going to be represented. Right. Well, it'll certainly, so, so they have that contract they have to do with. They have, you know, the, the sum contract is, uh, is going to have to be renegotiated. And I'm not so sure that... Uh, that, that, that playing in the States is as lucrative as it once was. I mean, I, I'm starting to see uh, emptier and emptier seats <laughs> in, uh, in, in stadiums. But, you know, they're not, they're not drawing the 70,000 in, in Houston. Yeah. You know, even, in Nash- even in Nashville, you know, a place where they've never played before, you know, the stadium was barely half full. And that was for yeah. the U.S. game. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if that's, you know, that's but- more of a of an indictment on the U.S. or, or Mexico. Well, you know, also it's like, it's very expensive, you know, paying right. $150, $300. I mean, and a lot of people go with their family. So a family of four, man, you're looking at over $500 to go watch a 90-minute soccer match. Those prices, were t- those prices were 65 and then it went up to like 120 a year. Yeah, and plus parking and all that. But I think, I think for this one, like the U.S. Max, it just hadn't been heated for a while, the matchup, and and then just with Max not bringing in their top players, and then the U.S. having missed the World Cup, and right now lacking, they sort of lack right now figuras. I think that that sort of made the game not so much attractive. But I think well, I think with is, is that I, I don't necessarily think that Mexico and, and especially if Puka is going to be the coach, you know, Puka doesn't want to. Play. He doesn't. I mean, he wants. He's, he's fine with friendlies. 
he just doesn't want to have to play them all in the U.S. He's like, if I want to play Paraguay, I want to play in Paraguay. You know, if I want well, to I mean, you know, yeah, so but 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 see, they are doing that. If we, we look at the next four friendlies, two in Mexico and then two in Europe, you know, as opposed to all four in the U.S. You know, and then we also have to take into consideration that the Concacaf Nations League is, is, is going to be on the calendar as well. So that, that that's why I'm thinking it. If, if, if there is a, a sum contract, I don't think it's going to be the six games or eight games. I remember one year before the 2006 World Cup, I mean, they played with like 10 games in the U.S. before they even uh, went off to prepare for that. So uh, I, I think it might be four, maybe even less. And, uh, you know, you know then that is something that they're going to have to see how that how that plays out as well. And don't underestimate the pupos, the, the effect of the pupo chant either. You know, the, the pupo chant hasn't, uh, I know it was, quote unquote, you know, was eradicated in Russia because they were threatened uh. with, uh, with, with, with the docking of points, but at friendly, I mean, you could tell that the crowd's just dying to scream it. You know, the, the very first time. And, you know, that's, uh, On the chant thing, though. Yeah, but but you know what? Well, just really quick, Chick is just on that. He, even if there's a fatigue, that's still way more money. Even without the stadium selling out, that's still way more money than than they can make in Mexico. Just because there's no way that the the average family down there is gonna pay up to three hundred dollars for you know to go see a game. Between uh, tickets and yeah. concession and parking, they, they just won't. I mean, over there it's like what, like ten dollars maybe the ticket? No, no, the, the, the tickets for the Mexico games are actually pretty pricey. Uh, I mean, like the cheap seats, you could you could get some for like what, maybe twenty. I mean, at, le- at least for the for the uh, well, chicken wants to qualify. How much how much did your ticket cost when I qualified you? That's what I'm trying to think of. I don't remember. Uh... Actually, I didn't even buy them. I think my uncle bought them. I'll have to ask him. I don't. I don't remember. I don't think it. I think it was. It wasn't as cheap as like what Joel is saying, but I don't think it was up to like sixty or seventy or eighty dollars. I think it was a little bit in between. Because you see, sixty pesos, man. But sixty pesos is like. No, I'm talking dollars. Five dollars Monopoly money. What? Yeah, I'm talking dollars. What? Um. Yeah, I'm talking dollars. I, I think it's. I think it's about thirty dollars. Forty, maybe. I'll have to ask. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I would understand it, Joel, if the Federación actually needed to have that money. They don't need. They don't need. They don't need that. You know, they do just fine with their TV rights and the and the TV rights they have in Mexico, and the big sponsorship deal that they'll get with uh, whoever 
becomes their official uh, uh, uniform supplier. And remember, you know, this is the only team in the world that has the official diarrhea medicine of, of, of a national team because who doesn't want their national team associated with diarrhea? When you go to the store and you, and you have the chorro, you're thinking, ah, mira, esta limodium es la medicina oficial de la selección mexicana para chorro. I mean, seriously. Oh, dude. Uh, That's a match made I'm just, I'm looking back at my DMs when I was talking to Wizbro. And uh, when we couldn't get into the Azteca for the U.S. game, he said, uh, I think he went and paid like 500 uh, on the street to get some tickets. 500 pesos? 500 pesos, sorry. 500 pesos for one for one ticket. That's not bad. So 25 bucks. 25 dollars. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not bad for some... Uh... 25 bucks. See, and that's what, a qualifier? There's a qualifier Im- against the U.S. Im- and the Azteca. Im- imagine and a that, non-qualifier. Yeah. See? Yeah, yeah, in cabrones, he doubting me. Told you it was like five <laughs> bucks, dude. <laughs> five bucks. Well, how, how much did... Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I'm, at, I'm too friendly, dude. It's like five bucks. They're not going to pay that much money. Yeah, but hang on a second, hang on a second. 25 is... is, is how much did Rigo pay for that Atlas yeah, game like when he was? When, when Cantina Mekis, uh, contributor, <laughs> Rigo Ayala, went to the, uh, yeah, but he had a VIP. It was one hundred and twenty-five dollars. But he had like VIP with like free peanuts and unlimited drinks, and uh, the, the bartender he goes like. Discriminada, see. In the handy, where? But see that. <laughs> That's that's some luxurious stuff, man. I mean, how much would it cost here to get all that? You're paying like what already? About the same. About the same. No. <laughs> no way, man. Hundred, Seriously. Hundred fifty gets you like maybe not even mid tire seat. So yeah, I'm looking Sorry, right huh? here. I I found an ad for um for one of the selection games. Uh, it was against Trinidad and Tobago, uh, that qualifier. And the most expensive, uh, is 950 pesos. But that was in, in San Luis Potosí, right? At the, at the, at the last time. Nah, this is, um, wait, where is this? It doesn't say. It doesn't say, yeah, they, but. They played them in, 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 they played them in San Luis Potosí. Okay, so uh, well, here's the other thing, Owen. Who does when Mexico comes to the to the to the U.S. to play some games? Who do they have to split the games? Because they can't yeah. do it at all. No, no, yeah, they split it with USSF and Concacaf. They all take a cut. Right. So why not keep it all to yourself and and and, and go play at the at the Tamalera or over in? But because I'm saying it's you still get way more. Even without, even with getting all those cuts, you still get way more money. You just, it, you know, you just can't but charge what they charge. But do they need the money? Do they need the money? Yeah, it comes in handy. Can, I can mean, they yeah. survive without it? Can they survive without it? No, they would. They would. But I mean, that's that's part of what makes being involved with the selección so lucrative. I mean, you, you're talking about, you know, these guys that. They, they will eventually lose money as they have 
before in the past, like if the team doesn't qualify to a tournament, then they lost money already. They lost money in sponsorship deals and TV deals. Like if they if they miss out on the Olympics, if they miss out on on uh, confederaciones, whatever, whatever tournament they they could miss out on, they they already lost money there. So I mean, if you could you could like leverage it out with amistosos, by all means. Yeah, but does, 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 does the survival of the federation depend on the monero? No, no, obviously not. But, but I mean, it doesn't hurt to have your coffers full with with shekels, man. It's it's there's just so much more you could do if if you have, you know, if you're a rich federation as opposed to where where you have to settle for less when it comes to to friendlies or even like deals for for. Clothing and whatnot. No, I understand. I, I, I do understand, and I, and I understand the economics of it. And, and, you know, when has Mexico, at least the Federation, ever not made a decision based on money first, sports second? Yeah. Um, because... Tocayo, so, so you know, paid lip service today. All the decisions are, you know, going to be based on sports first, and then everything else is going to take a backseat to that. So yeah. they have they have some opportunities. They have some opportunities to put to see if, if that's going to play out. Are they are they really going to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, it remains to be seen. But but we could see how like like uh, selection can now can now take take someone like up to not go to Copa America. You know, they they don't need they don't need like the money from that. So that helps when they're ne- like negotiating their return. Just, uh, just, I, I, it is an, it is an ass-chapping decision. Even, even, even send your U23. Yeah. Just a, just a terrible decision. You know, if, 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 if I was the if I wasn't going to send a U22, I would have sent a team of all. South American naturalizados. <laughs> 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 and, 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 and play Copa, and have, you may take Chaco Jimenez, my captain, you know, and have, I mean, the guys that played the best anyway were the it was an absolute, just a terrific game, uh, terrific game. So let's uh, let's uh, still talking about the Senate film, but let's 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 let's, let's, let's hop back on the country. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of folks uh, again have the, the misconception, you know, the Puka that we use, stuff that we have that we have dispelled. The other one that I think uh, is, is is one that that, that bears. Scrutiny is you know Tuca's an old school coach, and he doesn't like using modern methods. You know, is, is, is there a sport that's simpler than the sport of modern? What modern methods does one need to determine as to whether or not you know a, a player can, can can go to point A or point B and, and accomplish his, his objective? So does it matter if he gets there at 11.2 meters per second or 11.3 meters? 
you know, is he completing only 87% of his passes or 88 I don't get the whole modern uh, methods. I don't get the whole I mean, modern the, methods the, argument. The, 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 ah, yeah, the, modern methods. What's all this new with newest old, man? Come on, this tiki-taka stuff. When it came out, making it seem like teams never played like that before when it's 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 been happening in South America since since they started kicking the ball, man. Same with, with the goalies that started playing playing the ball with their feet. They were trying to make it seem like that was new. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get caught up in that stuff. I mean, did, uh, did Oscar Washington Tavares, was he sitting there on his iPad trying to figure out, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. was he looking at Luis Suarez's heat map to determine whether or not he needs to be subbed out? I mean, come on. Yeah. This, this sport is too old. It's, it's too well, mature. that a lot of, the administration and methodology of the Semic Booth, and I applaud him. It was great. You know, he a lot of the things that he did in his, in his particular preparation were things that had to happen in Mexico, and it was it hopefully mixed up that, that they will continue to do. I think I think JCO was a lot of fluff. I think a lot of that stuff was just a bunch of fluff. I think I think so, well, I mean, but, the but sport of soccer. That's exactly, that, that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. It's great. That, that, that his organization and administration of the national team was second to none. Congratulations. The results on the field did not, yeah. did not well, bear the fruit. I, I'm a, he's going to have the real test in Conmebol qualifiers because you don't have that luxury to face small teams like, you know, like Caribbean teams that semi-pro players that these guys are you know, they're taxi cab drivers and bakers, you know. He, he's going to play the majority right. of his games, aside from maybe Venezuela, because of, you know, what's going on in that country. He's looking at some really tough... Every match is pretty, you know. It's it's at a high... Very difficult game. I don't I don't see him surviving. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I wouldn't say that, but I'm saying I think this is... This is going to be his real test. I think with Mexico, he had it. The, the carpet was rolled out, man. Not only was he facing pretty weak teams, playing with, with the strongest team in the region, he also came when, when a lot of these teams were in transition and were even weaker than, than normal. One thing real quick, though, on the... Uh... His guys... Oh yeah, real quick on the uh, on the what I was saying about the sport. The the sport of soccer, I think, is is so old and is is so matured that you can't uh, study a team intensely and by doing so make any adjustments to your team and be able to beat somebody. Everybody knows a lot of the tactics, a lot of the techniques and technical skills. That uh, I mean, it's it's all out there. It's all out on the table. So the the little things that uh, Osorio was doing, I don't think mattered as much because everyone knows what's going on. Um, but like I said, it's just a lot of fluff. So I think that that's a that's a pro for Tuca or any detractors of Tuca who think he doesn't, you know, know the new uh, techniques and all that stuff. I mean, I, well, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I think that's just fans looking at what's going on with like, you know, in in in. Trying to compare what's going on with some of these big teams, 
with the stuff that happens with like Pep Guardiola at Man City and stuff that they see that and and they think that it's kind of the norm which which a lot of times is just trends and I'm not taking anything away from Pep cuz I he's he's a great coach but if if you if you uh read up on Pep he learned from studying a lot of guys from over here you know he studied Bielsa he studied even to an extent La Volpe so he, he was getting stuff from over here you know Yeah, yeah so my my is, No, go ahead. It's like, a copycat uh, world. Yeah. It's a copycat world. You can say that about any sport. If, if one team has success to something, and if you have players of similar qualities, the chances are pretty high that you're going to try and emulate what those teams did. I mean, I look back at, at when the Premier League first started and how dynamic uh, Manchester United was. I mean, it, they, it might, they, they revolutionized the English game in the early 90s. And, you know, to, I mean, because back then, the, you know, English soccer was, It was, you know, the way with some some teams still play. You know, with the the you know the long balls and and, and then the process of your six six four. And that the kick and rush. And, and there were like you know, exactly like the fifteen fifteen teams played like that. A handful maybe did it, but Manchester kind of changed all that. And the English league is totally different because of that because people started to emulate what Manchester United was doing. And now, you know, if, if you look at the Premier League, very few teams play. That old Northern European. It's cold. We need to keep running. We're just, just at home. It's kind of like hockey when they dump the puck into the end of the, just long ball after long ball, and then hope that we can get get on the end of one and win one zero. You know, the, you know those days are over. And, but who knows? Those days could very well come back. And you know, I, I look at uh, at Vasco Aguirre when he uh, started prepping for for 2010. We talked about it on the show. The formation that he, you know, people think it was, it was, it was, a, it was a four, it was not a four three three. It was some crazy formation that I had never seen before in my life. And it turned out I was reading uh, who's the, the guy that does zonal marking? Okay. Or, or Jonathan Wilson, one of the two said said this formation hasn't been used at it was was used for it was prevalently used in the 1920s. So he went he went he went back to the 20s. To figure out what formation would work, would work best for the guys. So, as as you said, everything old is new again, and everything new is old again. It, it, you know, it, it, it is the simplest of sports. Your objection is, is, is to put a ball into, an, into a, a goal mount, and you know, by, by any means necessary. And, and if you have guys that, that can play possession, play possession. If you have guys that are valuing you, whatever it is, then, then then that's what you do. I don't think that there's any there's any magic way to prepare a team to, for what. And on top of everything else, you know, I know that Juan Carlos Osorio did all the study, and they, it was a great. The national team is essentially a part-time team. I mean, I yeah. Mean, I mean, you have you have your guys for about seven days every every three months. The thing, the thing I'm worried about with Tuca is that this national team that he coached, uh, even though they were youth, the way they played the United States was exactly the same Mexico always plays. They can't, they don't get, they get possession, they seemingly dominate technically, but they don't score. And even though the, the ref sort of ruined it because he didn't allow like an implosion mentally of the Mexican team to happen. 
uh, and then like a counter to happen. That 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 goal I think was sort of due to the ten man um, that they were using or that they had at the time. So, but it was just like the same Mexico versus U.S. as always, where Mexico or Mexico gives up a goal. Uh, in this case, it was either there down to the ten men, but there's nothing new, nothing exciting about what Tuca was bringing to the team. It was just the same old stuff. But but see that's that's the thing where where I see a lot of fans get it wrong, where they're expecting the coach to do something uh, that's going to revolutionize like the 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 team, and it's like it, it comes down to the players at the end of the day. So it doesn't matter what what ideas you have, the players still have to be able to execute it, and and in order to have teams playing really good, you need players that are at a a really good level, and if you look at that team that Mexico sent, it had very few players that are like that we can expect are going to be at that other level. Some of these guys, it's almost like we wanted to play with a handicap. I still don't understand the the Pulido taking Pulido, you know. <laughs> well, that's that's that's, that's, that's a tuca like, thing, right? No, and, I, I don't. I don't think also, it's. Oh, so you're saying so, uh, he didn't he didn't call up the team. We're going back and I, forth. <laughs> I think he he. Uh, I, I don't think you know because that was a bit of a controversy where they said that he didn't call it up. Uh, yeah. But I, I think I think it's not that. I think uh, definitely had some input. But you have to you have to keep in mind that selección FMF is governed by the presidents of the clubs, and each club wants to have some representation. Because it it helps boost player profile and, and things like that, so you kind of have to sometimes like, all right, man, I'm a I'm gonna call this guy up because I mean, Pulido's not really gonna be a selection, you know. He's he's not really uh he he's yes, not I really know that, but 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 he but he wore the ten. Come on, <laughs> he sullied it. You have to burn it now, man. Maybe don't wear it for a couple I mean, of matches. Hope, hope his yeah. mojo didn't rub off on anyone. But, but, but no, I think that's part of the business thing that, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna take players from these teams just because they need to be represented because it helps promote those teams. And that has, uh, so that has really no place. See. That has no place on the national team. If if I was that close, I wouldn't allow that at all. That's that's totally but unprofessional. But that's, that's the business of it, though. At the end of the day. Yeah, that's that's messed and up. Even if we don't like it, it's a business first, sports second. Well, you, you don't have, you don't have the money. Here's a sad, here's a sad reality about why Valencia was called up. Because in Liga MX, there's like three Mexican forwards. Yeah. <laughs> one of them retired. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that also makes more sense. You know, I, I'm gonna still stick with 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 my tinfoil, but. But that's also true. At ultimately, you never know if if you might need this guy down somewhere down the line because you have injuries and suspensions, and at least you've worked with him well, before. I, I think I think more than anything, I think Pulido was called so that Intuca could make amends. Yeah, which which bodes well for Tuca, where he's like he's not a guy that holds on to grudges. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. You know. And again, people, you know, you know, people see Tuca as, as, 
that the Deacon is coach and only the Deacon is coach. I mean, I see Puka as a guy who was an outstanding player, a player's player, you know, a, a, a player that commanded respect from his teammates and opponents. You know, you know they, you know, you know, you know, Zuka was a gigantic presence on the field. I mean, I was watching some of the clips of uh, of just practice in, 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 there in Nashville and also in uh, in Houston, and Zuka embarrassing these guys still. You know, because Zuka was an outstanding shooter of the ball, and he was still embarrassing these guys at his age. Was was still able to you know to, to get a pass with a good free kick, you know, from thirty yards out or whatever it is. I mean, you know, Zuka. So yeah, I mean, Zuka understands the business, understands the business as a player, and he understands the business as a coach, and he understands the business as a. And, 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 and for as much as he likes to pretend he doesn't like or, or, or want to participate in the politics of the whole system, he absolutely participates in the politics of the He's an active participant in the, in the machinations of, of Mexican soccer and has been since the mid-70s. So let's, again, you know, Duca is a grouch and he only does this. That's just not to teach well. I mean, Duca is... Duca is as well-rounded a coach as, as Mexico's had uh, uh, available to them probably since uh, – well, I mean, I just it, – it's hard for me to, to find someone over the past uh, – at least the Mexico Liga who had a career at successful Duca as both a player and coach. And I, I just don't see there's, there's some issues he had, well, objections that I had with um, Tuca during the, the friendly versus the U.S., though. He left Alvarado, who wasn't having a good game, in a little bit longer. He didn't make some subs that I think he should have made earlier. So and then you, he took out Linus. Do you honestly believe Tuca was thinking tactically about that game? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the coach. I'm, he should I'm, I'm be. Being I'm being dead serious. He should be. He's the coach. Yeah, but see, with these friendlies, a lot of times it's not so much about winning the game. It's about seeing how well certain players are going to do. How do they play with each other? How, how do they how do they react in in certain situations? Uh, there's just so much to look to look into, not just. Are we going to get the win? And so if that was the case, then they could have just, they would have left some of the Euro players that they would have, know, you know. But but he let he let a lot of people sit with, when he could have. No, he sent usually, them back. Usually, usually in a friendly, no, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about the Euros, I'm talking about in the, in the game itself. Usually in a friendly at halftime, you'll see a, a, a few subs or even like 10 or 20 minutes afterwards. It took a little while for any subs to come in. Alvarado wasn't playing very well. Why not bring in, like you're saying, and, and and check out some other dudes that are on the bench that probably didn't get a chance to play and go well, after the him, win let as well. Let work it out. Let Alvarado work it out. Yeah. He, or, he's not going to get people... good if, if you don't even give him a chance. I mean, you... Well, he had a, uh, a game and a half. Did he play the, the <laughs> Uruguay game? He played that one I, as well, too. I, so. That game was so long ago, I, I can't remember. I thought he, I thought he did. Bringing up old shit. 
I'm, I'm not. I'm not apologizing for Tuka. Is all I'm saying. You guys are apologizing. Hello's <laughs> on Tuka. Is on. Hello's on Tuka Harmon. Wait, I've been on the Tuka train. <laughs> I have been on the Tuka train, but I understand when it comes to friendlies like these. Cause, you know, people people want. You know, a lot of the fans they want the Goliar, Ganari, Gustar. I know I got that wrong, but the three Gs. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so they they want to be entertained. <laughs> they they want to be entertained. That that's how they see soccer. Like if I'm gonna pay this much money, I'm gonna watch this game. I want I want to get entertained, you know. And uh, for a lot of these games, is that's a lot of times that's not even the priority. Priority is to see what what you're working with. You know that the saying is. I'm pretty sure you guys have heard it. La camiseta le pesó, you know. So some of the players that do good in league end up not doing good with the national team, you know. So you want to see how they handle the pressure or if they could execute whatever you had them doing. You know, it's it's a, a lot of the things how, like, JCO would have players play in different positions and things like that. You, that's, that's what you want to see ultimately. I, I think you get more, you get more out of, out of the game by testing these things out because you're not going to test that in an official game in, in, in an official qualifier you're not going to you're not going to see if something works the last the least important thing was, was the end result I mean to me the most important thing was to see as going to you know how are these players I mean, to me, you know, how did Nynet react against, like, a team of extremely seasoned, like, Uruguay? You know, and I thought he acquitted himself very well. It was like, you know what? If this kid can do this against Uruguay, he can do this against anybody. That, that was my takeaway from the next Uruguay game. Was, was that I, to me, Nynet, even at 18, you know, he may not have all the experience, but he certainly has the confidence in, in himself and his own abilities. And he, and he has the uh, and and he has the abilities to go up against the world's best and 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 and, and show stuff and, and to me he was able to accomplish that so so that to me was a huge a, a huge takeaway from the Uruguay. Now I did not get a chance to see the next the, uh, the U.S. game because uh, I was uh, I was I was unavailable to uh, to see it. I was working. So I, 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 I can't speak for, for how I'm on other players and that, I mean, individually and all that stuff. But, but, but again, to me, the results are the least important thing, especially now. I mean, when you, I mean you're, you're trying now, dude. I mean, I, I think the, the total number of caps of, of, of the starting 11 that played against the U.S. was like four. I mean, they, they just didn't have that many. You know, the district team was a bunch of brand new dudes. Let's see what they can do. So let's throw them out there and see what they can do. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was glad to see Chucky play well against Uruguay. He didn't necessarily get the goal, but, you know, he was very active. And, he, you know, I know, I know you guys like to call him at your studio, but I don't necessarily think that he, you know, had moments like that. But, you know, Rao Jimenez, on the other hand, I thought played poorly. And uh, is, 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 is not, uh, you know, I think that he's kind of in a slump and kind of, Hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get out of it because I do think that he is uh, very much in the plans for the next four years just because of his 
style of play. Going to certainly, uh, going to certainly uh, pay dividends if he can get going. So there are a lot of, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of factors to take into account. The one factor that people should not take into account in my opinion is because it, it, it just, it just doesn't. It, it's like a preseason NFL football. It just doesn't. Well, one thing, one thing I think the U.S. Um, result matters a little bit is their mentality. But and something I was looking for in the U.S. game was how they would react in the second half after if they struggled. And I think they did really well, even with the Linus Miasca incident. They, I think they still did really well. And I know Saldivar didn't go intentionally trying to hurt anyone or get revenge. So I think the mentality withstood as opposed to past generations like Rafa Marquez when they would get frustrated, even in friendlies, against the U.S. So hopefully this loss doesn't put uh, additional pressure on these young guys to when they play the U.S. in, in qualifiers, they feel they need to have the result. And if they don't, they get frustrated. That's, that's why I think this result was a little bit important, at least a tie hopefully a win so that these young guys would be confident and know that they can beat the bunker against the U S and, and not have, you know, this looming, uh, non-soccer nation. But you're going to have a lot of players that already beat them in tournaments and in qualifiers. So it's not like you're going to have a bunch of dudes that have never beaten them before. It's going to be a mix. Ultimately, it's going to be a mix of players that, they they're not gonna they're not gonna be burdened by that, you know. It it's not it's not like they lost and all of a sudden they're gonna lose all confidence off of that one defeat. I, I think it was bigger for the U.S. because they're coming out of losing quite a few games to Mexico and not going to the World Cup. So for them, you know, it's a bigger deal to to have gotten that win. But but Mexico has already the last what gold cups, the Concacaf Cup, you know they beat them at Columbus. So I mean you got a lot of good reference to pull from, and some of these players are still gonna be be around where it's like, yeah we we beat them before. It's, it's no biggie. Yeah, I mean they've they've beaten them in in, in youth tournaments and the U17s and the U20s. Uh, I mean, it, 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 well, the other thing is, is that, you know, the U.S. is, is, is not going to surprise anybody anymore. So that they know what to expect. And it's not, I mean, yes, it's still a, obviously a huge, a huge rivalry game. But, you know, it's, it, 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 it's not one that, uh, you know, that, that, that they're going to not, not take as, they're not going to take the U.S. as, uh, they're going to take the U.S. As, as seriously as they should. I mean, that was to me one of the biggest problems. You know, in the 2000s, the Mexicans just never took the U.S. seriously, which was just a terrible, terrible mistake. And, uh, you know, and then the U.S. knew that they could get into Mexico's heads and, and, and live there for, for a long time. And, uh, you know, the 5-0 win in, uh, in, in New York, where, where Giovanni and Carlos Vela just, just tore them to shreds, uh, you know, I think that, that that changed that. And uh, the U.S. has been trying desperately to get back into Mexico's head ever since, as uh, you know, the indicator of that was how the fans were reacting to the the Miazga, whatever the hell it was he was trying to do 
with with Linus as that second like that this is some seminal moment in, in, in this robbery and it was it, it just it just it just it just wasn't. I mean it's just a little you know, I mean if you know, you know, Miazga's a player who, you know, had had some talent, you know, had had a chance to 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 go and play in in the Premier League and, and, and it didn't work out for him. You know, he's you know, if, if he's as talented as he thinks he is, then why isn't he getting first team minutes at Chelsea? You know, the, the team that bought him. And uh, so, so to me, the fact that he had to do that was, was more of an indication that Nynes was more in the U.S.'s head than anything that, that, that Miazga was trying to do to, to, you know, to, to throw Nynes off his game. That's how I read that. And 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 Lainez, to his credit, it's like, you know, that stuff happens all the time. You know, I'm, you know, that's, you know, I can't worry about that stuff, and I don't let myself worry about that stuff, which is exactly how you would want him to respond. I don't, I don't think Miazga. I don't give that much credit to Miazga, that he intentionally tried to get in Mexico's oh, head, or in like, I think he just saw an easy target to pick on somebody, and he did it, and it was just so easy, so obvious for him to do. There was no creativity in even doing it, so. Um, there was, yeah, I don't it think was it was, I don't, weak. yeah, there's no intention. There's, there was no thought, oh, I'm going to get them to, to, you know, to lose their heads and we're going to win the game in the end and all that. That's, and then, and then <laughs> the stretch, the stretch you, team you know that Cesar went in and tried to get revenge was, is crazy as well. I mean, I mean, Saldivar's red card was almost accidental. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, it was actually. There was no malaleche at all. I mean, he just. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he kind of fouled into the play? Yeah, he was yeah. put from behind. At the same time, he was putting his foot over to cut back with the ball, which forced him to roll on the ball and pretty much into the player. So it was totally unintentional. Yeah, it was interesting to read Kyle Martino, the U.S. former U.S. player, talk about that foul, and he said, you know, he said how it was. Saldivar had been fouled, and then he he ended up fouling the other guy because he fell. I don't blame the ref, though. You know, it's easy easy mistake to make. But but Chiquis, I do I do feel like like uh, they were trying to get in Mexico's head because that's usually what they've done. You know, to, to me the um their interim coach was pretty smart in doing. He's like, we're gonna do what's worked for us, and and they, in the past they kind of roughhoused it, and they've kind of gotten Mexico to lose, to lose their marbles. I don't think Mexico lost their marbles, you know, but I do think they that was part of the intention to to disrupt Mexico's game, because possession alone Mexico was just, you could see they're the way better team, and 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 that was the one thing that was comforting for me that it's like, this isn't even their you know, the strongest team. And it's it was a weak team that they had brought, and then some of the other players had already been sent home. And, and if they could still maintain somewhat of a decent level, we, you know, it's, it's... It was a little bit scary at the beginning, though, when they were pressing. Mexico didn't show good uh, playing out of the back possession-style football, so... Luckily, they couldn't maintain that pressure. But I, I saw some issues Mexico were having at the very beginning of the game. 
sort of reminded me of uh, Chile. Sweden. But, but you know, like on the positive, the whole Masiaga incident is that, you, you know, it, it's what helped makes this rivalry interesting. And, and when the teams do meet, you know, you know the fans are going to be hoping that he's there. You know what I mean? They're going to be trying to hope one of the Mexican players could get one over him. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean what, what does that say to the U.S.? That, you know, there's this kid who's 18 who, you know, played, what, 10 professional games his entire life. You know, it's it, it, that. I'm not, I'm not sure how many. I, I know it's very few. And he's clearly the best player on the pitch. They're reaching. You know, the U.S. is reaching. Yeah, so you're going to go out of your way to try and, get, to try and throw this kid off, off, off your game or off his game. Yeah, like I said, to me it was, it, it, it was more of a, you know, it, it, it was more on, on, on what the U.S. was trying to do than anything Mexico. So, I'm, you know, that stuff to me is, and to me, you know, I, I firmly believe that the last team Mexico should be playing in a friendly period. Just, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. They did it in 2012, and it sent Chepo down his, his shame spiral that he never recovered. It's the, on the U.S. side, it's pretty sad because they they're they're reaching, they're grasping for straws. Uh, like he said, they need this guy to be like the next Gooch, looking down at uh, at Borghetti. Well, I mean, I and think that's need, more from need, the fans. It, I think that's more from the fans than from from the Federación, you know, or the coach. Well, yeah, yeah. So it's from the fans. The fans need that, and the, and that highlights the rivalry. And then so so more fans are going to go after it. But but in a you know they, not really they do soccer. have like they do have like police. That's going to be the highlight clip. That's going to be a highlight clip for the next. It like, is one the of next them. It, it is one of them. That is that, that is just so sad to me. I mean that that is that is what Aggie. I'm sorry, but, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You don't understand that. But that's that's what Aggie. It's what Atlas. Atlas. Yeah. No, you know, remember, I remember with Gooch, because he had the whole thing with Borghetti, the Gooch stare. But then I remember, like, he ends up signing with AC Milan, and they're playing the friendlies in the U.S. I remember if it was Chivas, but I think it was Marco Fabian. He was one of the youngsters that made him look really bad in that friendly game. They just they just went through him a couple times, and that just made the game even more memorable. So I think uh, it's gonna make some of the future matchups more memorable just because of that that one incident, you know. But then you have it on the other on the other side on the Mexico side. You have you know all these what fans, or even like on the Mexican side, the fans defending Linus saying that Maradona and all these other players were really short, oh. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your height, which is totally false because height is very beneficial. Um, and then just like the defenders and the, the people that are upset about all this stuff is, uh, you know, it's just as bad on, on the Mexican side. Yeah, well, the, the Chaparros got offended, cheekies. <laughs> yeah, they, well, they, they felt uh, self-conscious about the uh, insult. <laughs> Well, let it, let it never be said that, that a vast majority of Mexicans have massive inferiority complex. 
But, you know, we would never say that on this show ever. Well, Monterrey has some uh, good uh, American football teams, I hear, with some big, giant Mexican dudes. Yeah, but you know, the, the, the average height the, the average height of the Mexican national team has gone up considerably. You compare it since 94, just starting from when Mexico has always been qualifying to the World Cup. Uh, yeah, it's gotten way bigger, man. Like, you had keepers like like Campos and, and, and Conejo that are like 5'8", you know, and, and all the other keepers after that have all been like six. Six two, you know, pretty tall, taller than that. Right. And, and that's Yeah, that so other guy that squared up to my saga was about the same height. The, the guy that went square up against him. Oh, yeah. Edson Alvarez. Square root. Didn't ask, square root. Didn't, didn't say anything to Edson Alvarez. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I mean, but that was like, like before there would only be like one or two really tall players. You had like Hermosillo or Sage and, and maybe Jirafa de Anda, like but now on average most of these guys are about you know, about five eleven. You know? The the Yeah, we we stopped being one of the because Mexico used to be one of the shortest teams at the World Cup. Now it's not so much the case anymore. It's why they and, and you know, if they wanted, they could have even taller team. But I, I do feel there's that stigma still in Mexico where they'll see a top player as being a tronco. You know, like Borghetti was called a tronco all of his career, and he, he was like for a long time the leading goal scorer. And and if in many ways he kind of still is, you know. Chicharro has beat him, but mostly because of all the Molero games that Mexico now plays. Like, if you well, were to just maybe... About the, about, the, about the Gucci stare with Borghetti. I mean, Borghetti owned the U.S. Borghetti did well against So I guess I've never understood that. Is he still with me? Oh, yeah. What's up? Okay. I thought that Joel had gone. Oh, he's muted. Yeah. I I just muted myself because I'm driving. I don't know if you guys can hear the car noise. Well, I've been driving. I've been driving for the past hour and a half. Oh. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm, I'm headed... I'm headed to work, to my other job, <laughs> to, to my non-podcast job. Um, yeah, I, I got asked to go in early today. But, but you know, just, just going on the theme about how the Selección has looked, I, I would ask Mexico fans not to put so much stake into that. Like, if they're not winning, it's no big deal, really. Uh, especially in the next, in the next games coming up. 
even you know, I, I don't think. I, I think you should worry if the team doesn't look good once, once they're in qualifiers or once it's in tournament. But for friendly games, I, I just wouldn't put so much stock in it. Uh, I would say, and, and then you know, especially when comparing it to the to the team we were watching a few years back, because that's a team that have players that had been together for like a decade. And now we're having players that are just beginning to to play together, so it's 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 not good to compare, you know, like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, and the reality is, is the base of Mexico's national team, you know, at least, at least for the next, you know, until they start being transitioned out. I mean, it's still going to be, you know, Herrera and Vela and, and guys like that. So I mean, there's still, you know, four or five or six pieces. Of, uh, that, that are uh, that, that are going to at least be part of the gold cup. So, you know, yeah. at that point, after the gold cup, it, it was. But you know, I mean, I, I fully expect you know a lot of those guys to be used at, at least in the first part of qualifying, and then you know as qualifying gets deeper and deeper, we'll start seeing that transition happen. You know, you know, hopefully by the end of the hacks, we'll see you know those guys being used uh, less and less. But I mean. You know, you know, we'll, we'll definitely see how that plays out. So yeah, I agree with you, Coy. I think for Mexico fans to turn on the Poco Rocos at this point is just—I mean, I know yeah. the Poco Rocos are are, are 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 you know are always are always a push button away for a lot of Mexican fans. But at this point, it's like you know, you know, give give it a year or two. I mean, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even consider Mexico to be the quote unquote favorite to win the gold at this point. No, but I definitely, if they wanted to, they could just bring all their top players, and and they could, but but that's the thing, though. You know, you want to, you want to hand over the selection to the younger guys, and get them used to being in these type of, you know, elimination games and things like that. Right. With with the selection, you know, some of them. You know, and the good thing about the qualifying is that I'm sure that they'll have the same. Uh, you know, they'll have the first quadrangular where they'll play, you know, Mexico. I mean, the last couple of draws have gotten, you know, far and away the toughest of the, of, of the groups of four in CONCACAF. I'm not saying it's going to happen again, but they'll get, like, an El Salvador and Honduras. And then they'll get, you know, a Caribbean team and Nicaragua. Well, the under... Yeah, we'll John, the under twenty thing was just announced. The under twenty qualifier. No, no, I'm talking about the quadrangular before the hat. Oh, the quadrangular. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah, man. Only once was that really tough for Mexico, man. That one that Sven had. That's one of the toughest. It was even tougher than the hexagonal for Mexico, man. Very. Very small great. room for messing up, and Mexico was what, like a minute away from being eliminated until Bozo scored that goal in Canada, and Loso Polar, yeah, I mean, the aptly named Loso Polar. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, exactly. I mean, that was that they absolutely had to have that goal against. Uh, you know, and, and, and who was it that served up the goal for Bozo? It was an 18-year-old Giovanni Santos. You know, who yeah. was it that, 
that, that, that changed the course of Mexico's qualifying. It was a 19-year-old, Giovanni Dos Santos in Costa Rica. So, you know, it, they, they will have their trials by fire for these guys. And, you know, they, they just, you know, glad to see how they respond. Now, one thing I will say that, uh, that, that Vasco did have the luxury of having was, uh, was another Gold Cup. Because he used that Gold Cup in 09 to kind of, you know, find the base of his team. And then it had been the base of his World Cup team. Which was, which was, you know, essentially the U20 team from the previous, uh, from the previous U20 World Cup. I mean, that was where Giovanni and Bella and Some, Barrera and something Juarez sad. Juarez. Yeah. Something all sad those, happened at that. Oh nine, John. Something bad happened. What? What's that? Yeah. It was in one of the. I think it was with Vasco. And it had to do with Bofo and. Some scout was snooping around from Perugia, and it got in Buffalo's head. And then after that, Vasco just cut him out. He didn't want to deal with him, you know, which is, right. I think, what messed up his career because we're talking about a player that was very talented. He even had the physique. He just lacked the discipline, you know. If he would have had, like, CR7's, you know, mentality to train and and all that, man, Buffalo would have been, <laughs> it would have been something else. But, but it was pretty sad. And I, I do remember reading the reports how he had a spat with Vasco and how he was trying to, he was trying to, like, demand he would be a starter or something because, uh, Perugia had sent some scouts to keep an eye on him, and and he just he just ended up costing him dearly. That was pretty bad. Well, he did take him to the World Cup, so yeah, he did start against Argentina. No, no, I'm talking about the first the first time he. I, I might have the years mixed. The first time uh, Vasco, the Vasco took over the national team. Oh, and O two. Yeah, that's way back then. He he took him back then afterwards, but that was Buffalo at the end of his career, man. Uh, oh no, I, I remember I remember that Copa America was well, man. He was outstanding. He was he was uh, in '04 right before they got smacked by Brazil. They they played really well in that tournament. Now, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so so that's I mean, you know, for Mexico fans, that that is your expectation here. Is uh, you know which which one of these kids, you know, how are they going to do in these in these upcoming? I don't. I mean, to me, Lainez don't even bother sending him to the U20. What what you know? Let let him let let him get his sea legs in, in Copa Mex because the the U20 no le sirve para nada. You know, you know, if you're going to send him to a, a, a youth tournament between now and the next World Cup, send him to the Olympics. Because then at least he'll have, you know, he'll be, what, what 20 years old or whatever. He'll be 20 years old. It'll be a much better deal for him if he goes to the U20. The U20, what's the point? I mean, they sent him to the, the Juego Centroamericano. Why? You know, you know what's interesting for me in the U.S. game was seeing some of these players, some of these, like, they had Julian Green 
And I remember when, uh, man, it was, <laughs> can't believe it's been that long when, when, when they took him to the World Cup and he was expected to be one of the next best things. And then I hadn't heard of him since. And to see him there, I don't even know, I don't even know what he's up to, man. Uh, like, did he ever crack into Bayern Munich's first team? He's in second division. He's still in second division. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, que se lo traigan, dude. Yeah. Just bring him over, man. Well, he's not, I mean, did he even... He could play for LAFC. Huh? I don't, I'm, how long did he even live in the U.S., though? I don't, I think his home might be uh, pretty much yeah, in he's Germany. Never, he's never lived in the U.S. He's in Germany. Oh, yeah, but I remember he scored a golazo. Who was it against Belgium? No, mames, Joel. It wasn't a golazo. Yeah, it wasn't a golazo. <laughs> it was to me, man. That was... <laughs> he puts him in, and, like, half a second later, he's scoring a goal, man. That's... He scored by accident. <laughs> No, but did you see? no le, no le quite su gloria, John. No le quite, no le quite su gloria, man. Nada, Wait, yes. he, he, his, he was trying to crush it, and he, and, and he stuck his foot out and it hit it and it went into the net. He scored like Memo scored against the U.S. in '93. <laughs> do you see? Do you see how it? But don't, don't golazo, term would mean. Yeah. You don't want me to cheapen the word. No. He, he's he's looking old too, man. He's he's like balding, look a look a little bit. <laughs> he looks he looks older than he did before. It's not like a do, man. A do a do is still like twenty. Well, how a do Freddie a do is like twenty years old still, right? He's, this guy looks like, he looks guy. twenty, but he's like he's like forty five. <laughs> okay, sorry. Well, when he was thirteen, he already looked like he was twenty. Uh, but, oh. Yeah, he, he's a club promoter now. Well, that's the last I so, checked, he was. So we got Liga MX. So let's wrap it up here with, uh, with, uh, with some Liga MX. Oh, well, John, oh. we have Copa. Yeah, Copa MX. Uh, if if both America and Cruz Azul win their keys, they will be facing each other in the. I guess I don't know if it's semifinals or quarterfinals. So the, the the beginning of the end for the. Hegemonía que tiene la América sobre Cruz Azul. I think, yeah. So the, the, yeah. The Pelaez curse, the Pelaez curse will start making its, uh, making itself felt. So Liga MX gets back in the action on Friday with Veracruz hosting Toluca. Veracruz, Toluca, okay. Then Querétaro plays Puebla, Pachuca hosts Tigres. America hosts Morelia, Necaxa hosts Cruz Azul, and uh, Monterrey hosts Guadalajara. That would be an interesting game, which I expect my goats to lose, but... Well, that's where Chopi Chopi's has his best games at Tamale. Yeah, that's where he he made his name for himself. He scored a brace. Santos Leon and Atlas, Atlas Tijuana. So after a two week break, now Joel, did, did you go to the the Super Clásico that was right down the street from your from your? You know what? There? I did not. I did not, sir. I was like, I didn't feel like watching a Clásico Molero. Uh, it was one one though. That was the score. One one. Now, 
Now, it's is, not is, bad is for Chivas. Is it true that uh, that the stray goat order ordered a boycott for the game and then did, did not allow Chivas fans in the U.S. to, to go to the stadium? Uh, you know, I heard of it, but I didn't. I didn't know if he was joking. I, I didn't know if he was just joking. You know. I mean. Yeah, I don't know what I, that I would accomplish. That boycott. I will say this: I thought that uh, that L.A. was a Chivas town. There was a there's a lot of crema in that in in, 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 in the stand. A lot of crema. Yeah, I, I think it fluctuates, Mel, because, uh, and then also, right here in the in the U.S., a lot of Central Americans they're they're um they're America fans, and so yeah, then for them. Now. And and also for them, it's, it comes easy easier to hate on Chi, like an all Mexican Chiba side. It's it's just per, so it's perfect for them to like America. You so yeah. Your your American neighbor game. What happened? Oh, my neighbor, that old neighbor John. I don't yeah. I don't. Yeah, ya no tengo esos vecinos, man. They're pic, oh, he picturesque. He wasn't he wasn't part of the package. He wasn't. Part he of the wasn't. Package, the, the nah, man. Picturesque. Yeah, there was two, and then there was an there was another guy that had a truck, and he painted this old truck America colors, and he he even painted the eagle, the the mascot eagle, not not the not like the eagle looking eagle, but like the the cartoon looking one. Right. You know, the one. Yeah, I haven't seen that truck in a while. It's like a junk truck. They, you know, they they put the they put um. Like the plywood around it, and then they just they go around collecting like scrap metal. Yeah, so would, I, would that truck would that truck even be allowed in Orange County? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean they could say they're there for for you know they're working. Uh, nah, I didn't go. You know, before I used to be stoked about those games, but ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah, just no. I think also just Chivas irregularity, you know, has more to my point, Joel, about how the the boleros in the U.S. have lost their luster. Yeah, many but, of, but too many of. Them. I know, but also I'm I'm gonna keep insisting, uh, Yon, it's 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 just too expensive, man. It's just goddamn, you know. And then you got LAFC, you right. could watch Bella for for half the price. So why right. why am I gonna go go pay so wh- to I watch bunch of canteranos, man? <laughs> yeah. So, so Joel, uh, before before I let you go, are you uh, are you you know like now that you have your new place there with with your new, they have the curb numbers on the drive you know, if it's an emergency, you don't find your house back. Are you going to put, like, your, your house in, 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 in the black letters of the box and put the Chivas logo next to it so people know that a Chivas fan lives there? I've never been like that. Like, they hang up flags and, and put stuff like that. Yeah, you, know, you, you don't have blinds and when you close them and, they, and you see the, 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 the Chivas uh, raya. Nah, I've just never been like that. I've seen fans, but I, I never... The only thing I have is a poster 
from 1995. It's it's a it's a ticket poster, like an old, uh, and it's for Mexico versus Saudi Arabia at the LA Coliseum. And it was the first match with Vora. He had just been brought back as coach, uh, and, wow. and to, to replace Mejia Baron. And his first game back, and and that was like when you could go, when you could go buy the tickets at like at the at the sporting stores. Like you go to wherever they sold soccer jerseys and stuff like that, and you could go and you'll buy the right. ticket there. You know, that's way back when it was like just twenty or twenty five dollars, and it was general admission. So you have people that will show up three four hours early, so they could secure the seats all the way. You know, all the way in the front or by the tunnel so they could try to get autographs from the players. Did you get an autograph? Yeah. Did Luis Garcia sign your, sign your, your soccer ball? No, I, I, I always get there late and sit almost at the top. You know, avoid 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 the um, the water, you know. I have a lot of water. People would throw their cups of water. And so I would, I would be out of the crossfire. Yeah, did you ever eyeball agua for it? Nah, man, I got lucky to miss it, though, because landed by me a few times, but that was, that was before, that was before I got into writing, and then I, you know, once it started, just, just watching from the press box, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not, got, got them heathens, it can't be down there. You, you didn't throw an eyeball agua for the press box? <laughs> no, it was tempting though. But no, no, I didn't. I, but I was at the press box at the, at the Coliseum. Uh, I guess last, last, last Memorial Day. And the smells that were wafted in the You know, it's, uh, you know the, 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 the Rasa where I grew up here. things still in limbo you know all signs are pointing to Tuca there was a brief rumor that you know linking Mati to Tigres <laughs> I wouldn't pass I wouldn't put it past his agent to have started that up uh, but yeah all signs are, are pointing right now to Tuca and but but yeah, Mexico Selección remains without a coach, and and I, I think 
they will wait probably until the season is over to name it, to name one, to name a coach. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no hurry. There's still no hurry. There's no point in doing anything now. I mean, they don't have, you know, it's not like Europe where they have the Eurocopa qualifiers coming up soon or, or uh, you know, in, in South America, you know, that, that have their, their todos contra todos, which starts relatively quickly. So it's, it's just the Gold Cup. You know, it's, it's a good, uh, so yeah, there's no hurry you know, I expect Puka to be the coach in October. Yeah. I probably expect him to be the coach in November, and then at that point, like you said, they'll make a decision, and we'll see. We'll see how it how it plays out. Yeah, and in case he doesn't want to, I mean, I would think if Piojo wins, only if he wins the league title, he would be a candidate once again. You know, but he would have to win yeah. just just to just to gain the popular the popular vote. <laughs> right. Yeah, because that's that's the only way. Because uh, yeah, and 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 outside, you know, and again, outside of Piojo and Luca, to me, the only real candidate that's coaching in Mexico that I think would be a, a viable option is Diego Alonso. And you know, if, if he ends up doing a lot with Monterrey, then if Luca says no, then I, I do believe that he will be. The I see. I see Tigres president front office uh, causing some problems for Tuca's release, but we shall see. Well, well that's the thing. Also, Chiki, yeah. is that they might name the former Tigres president into, you know, they might bring him into the fold. Okay, there you Adelín go. Rodriguez. So that would calm some things down. Yeah, big time. Uh, so we're waiting on that too. As well, I mean, so the fans, if you guys hear that, if that ever does get announced, and that's just another not, nudge for for Tuca to take over. Uh, yeah, the the, the 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 next step will be that they'll announce that Mexico's new uniform colors are going to be mustard yellow and blue. Yellow and blue. <laughs> uh, an, another final thing. From me, real quick, is uh, Marchesin. Oh, uh, his, his his kick to the foot of some some dude he was playing with. One of pretty, the youngsters of America. Yeah, pretty yeah. uncalled for. He's he's looking he's looking like Triple G. He's gonna be like whenever he knocks out uh, Canelo this weekend as well. Yeah, there's been some discipline problems right there, man, and that's see that's that's America's loss, man. They don't have. They don't have Pelayas right there to to keep to keep the players in check. Well, Joel, what are you talking about? They have Santiago Baños. Is he not the yeah, not the same man? GM in history. He's he's like your drunk uncle though. Like he could get beers and nudie magazines from probably bum a couple cigarettes. Who who does Santiago Baños know? Two or three or whatever it was he was a director of selecciones nacionales, and now he's a general manager of two of Yeah, man. He. I wonder what he did, man. I want to read his book. He went from assistant and, and, coach setting up pine cones to to being the boss of the guy that got him the job, man. <laughs> That's wow. It's quite the turnaround. 
Yeah, pretty crazy. Me, you know, meanwhile, yeah. Belay is still working super cool. You know, they're seven weeks into the season and they still haven't lost. John, that's like getting a job at Starbucks where you pretty much just, they got you just sweeping and, and stockpiling stuff. And like a year later, you're like the regional director. That's right. <laughs> she was like, what happened? He, he didn't even move up to barista, man. He just, he skipped a bunch of levels. That's right. Not even barista, he made, drive through <laughs> Yes, he made a pack with the devil, man. But nah, I, without due respect to Mr. Bathrooms, uh, you know, a lot of the news coming from America has been in, in discipline. That could end up costing them later on. Uh, there was that whole talk about Uribe just, you know, telling Piojo not so nice things about his mom or something like that and it, you know and, and then you have your goalkeeper butchering your youth players it's a lot of stuff going on over there you know I mean that's the thing with Bioko is that you know as, as great a coach as he is you know he runs a very loose ship I mean he did it at the national team I mean but, you know he, even in that like, old cup I mean you know he was you know one of the the that you know ultimately you know Piojo is going to end up costing himself the gig and happen you know now he's back at America and you're right you're right Florida. the only way the only way he could become a candidate for the national team is, is if not only if, if, if America wins but they have to win they have to win you know 3-4-0 in Roland or whatever it is yeah, because that, that will quell a lot of arguments, you know, because you're going to have a lot of detractors. But I do think he still garners a lot of support. But, but I, I don't think they want to start a cycle with, with all these, you know, just, just with a lot of negativity and a lot of division. I think they want they want something more... I just avoid, just yeah. avoid all that mess. Yeah, he brings a lot of baggage, and, and you know, uh, you know, and that's another thing about Tuca. For as long as, as Tuca's been a coach in Liga MX, you know, Tuca doesn't have any. You know, Tuca might be a, a grouch, and you know, might yell at refs and players this and that, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't necessarily bring any baggage. No, he and, and he commands respect. You know, I was looking, I was, I was watching uh, football picante, spicy soccer, and. And Jose Ramon, you know, he's he's Mexico's biggest detractor, man, like biggest critic. And he wasn't he wasn't even harping on the selección like he normally would, you know. Right. He would go off on it, and that's like his mo. But he was he was very calm about it, talking about give the young players a chance. I was like, well, what's with you know what's going on here? Say for false was was you know. Uh, as, don't don't forget so, that Jose Ramon is a is a puma through and through. Ah, the, the connection, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Tuca to me is and forever will be a puma, and that's not the reason why. I mean, it's one of the reasons. But you know, you know, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you know, Tuca has proven himself. 
over the past 20 or whatever years that he is. You know, he's, he's, he's the top coach in Mexico, and he deserves a chance. And if Tuca wants it, and if Tuca has some demands, then you then you meet those demands. He you know? You know, the joke right now is Tuca already gave uh, more young players a chance in these two games that he's given in all his time at Tigres. <laughs> I think, I think uh, that says a lot with some of the people that were saying that he wasn't going to give young players a chance. And it's like, well, and it's Kyle better, comes... You know, <laughs> you know, I look at the Tigres youth system, you know, and, and you know, you know, Tupac gives young, young players a chance if they deserve the chance. Uh, you know, that, I that, agree. That, that kid, he's like, he never, he never gave him a chance. And, it, and the dude never panned out. So obviously Tupac knew something that we didn't. Yeah, he's... Yeah, but but you know what? That mentality I don't agree with for the national team. National team is not for giving young players a chance. The senior national team, you know, to be specific, that's that's for the best players. You know that they earn the spot there. There, you know, if you're there, it's because you're the you're the best in your position. No, it's for, it's for the pulidos and people that make business. Though, the, but you, you said that earlier, man. <laughs> it's no, for business. business first. Yeah, but we're, let's not confuse Moleros to like an actual tournament. Because if it came to an actual tournament, they're not going to send a pulido. But for like a Molero, then yeah, you got to throw some of these club a bone. You know, you got to try to help him out a bit. Uh Especially if you're a team like Chivas, lacking figuras, then then Pulidos all of a sudden, well, he's a seleccionado, you know, even if he didn't earn it. But but ultimately, though, when, when you're going to put that squad for qualifiers or for the World Cup, the players you're calling up are, are going to be the best players in their positions. So that's that, that people shouldn't be expecting, like, that he needs to take a young player and then, and then like, uh, you know, that you have the, the youth, the youth selecciones for that, which is why we're talking a lot about under 20 and Olympics. And, and usually how it goes is that you end up like, like Olympic team will probably end up with about 10 players from under 20 and then from Olympics to selection you end up with about five players, uh, the youth, five of the youth players. Woo-hoo. All right, gentlemen. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. If, if yeah, I'm sorry, it's, a, it's a good spot for us. To end the show, but we do appreciate everybody listening here on the Kentucky's podcast. Chiki, thanks very much for yeah. setting this up. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Appreciate it. And uh, Joel, hopefully you were able to make it to your... Uh, I'm still I'm still on the road. Oof. Yeah, but I'm, I'm very close. I'm very close. Well, thanks very much for joining us, and thank you. Uh, thank you, John. And thank you, loyal listener, for joining us here on the Cantina Mix podcast. As you know, we're on every, usually every Thursday night here live on our YouTube channel. And our previous editions of the podcast, you can download, subscribe to it on our uh, 
page on uh, the Pod Center, iTunes, as well as on Google Play. We do uh, thank you guys for joining us. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, my name is John Hugh, and uh, again, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.